You are listening to the Midtown Church Podcast, a ministry that exists to make Jesus known. We're in the middle of a series, quite literally in the middle of a short three-part Easter series that we've called This is Love. Uh, we could have gone anywhere in this series, big topic, uh, the, the love, especially the love of God, but what we have chosen to do in, in this three-part series is focus on three aspects of the love of God that the Easter story reveals. Uh, Pat kicked things off last week by walking us through highlighting a love that forgives on Easter Sunday, two days from now. We'll look at a love that makes all things new. Today on this Good Friday, a love that conquers all. Um, Perhaps the best text that speaks to this, that highlights this idea of the love of God conquering all is found in Romans 8. And so if you have a Bible, take it out. And I'm going to read starting at at verse 31. I'm going to read to the uh, end of of chapter 8. Very well-known text beautiful text, Paul the writer begins, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and it intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord." Uh, This passage, um, if you've studied it, you know this already, is all about our security that is ours in, in Jesus. But what this text reveals is that our security isn't found in ease and comfort and the absence of, of suffering. If you base your security and your assurance on things like that, you'll be thoroughly disappointed because we will encounter tribulations. And, and distress and, and persecution here, as, as we all know, as we all have experienced to some level and some degree, and maybe even famine and nakedness and danger and, and sword too. People do. Christians do. Every day. But Paul writes that those things won't bring separation from God nor remove our, our, our security in God, For in verse 37, he says, we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us. What does that mean? How how is it possible to be more than a conqueror? I mean, we conquer things. I, I get that. I think we all get that. But how are we more 
How can you be more than a, a conqueror? What is that speaking to? Well, we are more than conquerors for not only do those things not defeat us or separate us, but they are used by us to display, most importantly, the love of God for us and our love for him in response to his love. So we use them. They don't defeat us. We use them to display God's love for us and our love for him. That was the testimony. That was the display of Job, if you've read his story. We can have the same testimony. That's Paul's point. So this text is all about our security in Jesus. But what I want us to consider as you just laser in on verses 37 to 39 specifically is in what ways does the love of God conquer all? That's the question I want to answer. But before getting there, before addressing the question, I, I'd, like, I'd like us to notice some things about Jesus first. If that's okay with you, makes I think sense to do that on this Good Friday. Things preciously connected to the Easter story. Here's the first, if you like taking notes. Jesus was given, number one. Take a look at verse 32. I'll read it again for you. He, that's, that's the Father, God the Father, did not even spare his own son, but gave him. There's, there's our word. Gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him Grant us everything. So in context, and I already painted the picture for you, God the Father gave Jesus up for us all. In what is probably the most famous, well-known verse in all of the Bible, Jesus affirms this when he says in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son to us. God's love is a, a giving love. In fact, for love to be love, it must give. Uh, a, a love that doesn't give is no love at all. Not surprisingly, Je Jesus uses this same language to speak of himself. In Matthew 20, and you can read this behind me, Jesus says, the Son of Man, that's Jesus' um, most often used self-description, Son of Man, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life, there it is, as a ransom for many, even on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, we read that when he breathed his last, he gave up his spirit. He gives. He gave. On this Good Friday, please hear that there is no aspect of Jesus' death that wasn't a display of self-sacrifice. Jesus is the great high priest that lays himself down on the altar. Uh, when, when his opponents, if you've read the gospel story of, of Jesus' life, gospel stories of Jesus' life, when his opponents wanted to arrest him or even kill him before his time, we read that he was untouchable, even invisible at times. But when it was time, we read that that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem knowing what was coming, even in spite of people like Peter, of all people, telling him not to. Even at his arrest, Jesus said to Peter, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of, of angels. Jesus' life wasn't taken, it was given. 
You don't take anything from Jesus that he doesn't willingly give up. He's Jesus for crying out loud. <laughs> He's the center of all things. He, he holds all things together. You don't take anything from Jesus and certainly not his life. I want you to hear this. He gave it up for us in love. We need to notice this about Jesus especially on this Good Friday. Secondly, something else to notice about Jesus was that Jesus was raised. Paul writes in verse 34 that he died, but even more has been raised, uh, was raised or has been raised as a verb, verb raised, but here in the Greek language, it's written in passive form, meaning that it was something that was done to Jesus. Jesus was raised, this was done to him by by his father. So Jesus died, but even more than that, he was raised. Both are vital for our salvation. The physical death of Jesus and the physical re resurrection of Jesus are both vital for our salvation. Jesus died to pay sin's penalty and was raised to, de de to destroy sin's power, but also to display the father's pleasure in the work of Jesus. See, the, the penalty of sin is death. Jesus' death paid that penalty, satisfied it. No, no more debt. Jesus raised to destroy death because death also has a power, penalty and power. Jesus killed death by raising from it. Um, and forevermore, uh, earlier in Romans, Romans chapter 6, Paul writes, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And that eternal life, Midtown and friends, that eternal life is our eternal life in him. It's a sweet picture that baptism paints, by the way. We'll talk about that more on, more on Sunday, because we don't keep people under the water, right? That's, that gets us arrested and to shut things down, we bring them out because Jesus came out and we are ones who come out with him. Um, but in the raising of Jesus, also, as I just mentioned, there's also a fatherly pleasure in Jesus that's being displayed. Uh, one author puts it this way, the father was so satisfied with the once for all atoning work of the son that he vindicated his obedience and suffering and, and his infinite accomplishment by raising him from the dead. So what do we have? Penalty paid, power destroyed, pleasure displayed. Three Ps. All in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Third, last thing that I want to point out about Jesus from this text before answering the question that I posed earlier. Jesus was seated. <clears throat> Verse 34, he was seated at the right hand of God. The most often quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament is Psalm 110, verse 1, where we read, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That verse is fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, the imagery of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God or at the right hand of the Father is meant to depict authority, and it's meant to, to depict uh, victory. It's, it's all about crushing the serpent's head as, as God promised to do in Genesis 3. 
All authority in heaven and on earth is mine, Jesus declared in his great commission, which was realized by his death and resurrection and his life before it. Paul writes this, you can read this on the screen as well behind me from Ephesians 1, verses 20 and 21. God raised him, that's Jesus, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. This all-encompassing authority that is Jesus' authority includes yours and mine too. All authority is his, for he is Lord of lords and he is King of kings. And therefore, any authority that you and I have as a leader or a boss, a parent, a coach, an owner, has been given to us by Jesus. It's, it's given authority, it's borrowed authority, and therefore, we are to lead like Jesus would. So Jesus was given Jesus was raised, and Jesus was seated. Why am I highlighting this before answering the question? I'm highlighting this because this is the gospel. And there's no more appropriate time to point these things out than during the Easter season. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose. Jesus ascended. Jesus was coronated, seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. You could add in between his resurrection and ascension that Jesus appeared. He did. Also, very important part of the gospel story is that he will, will return. This is, this is the gospel in summary form. The gospel ultimately, however, the gospel in its fullness is Jesus. For we don't follow doctrine, we follow a person. Doctrine doesn't save, Jesus saves. And therefore I'm pointing these things out because I want you saved. <laughs> or, or be reminded of your salvation. But now to the question. How does the love of God conquer all. Uh, three ways that I'll point out uh, for the sake of our time on this Good Friday morning. Here's the first way that his love conquers all. It conquers all in what it displays. Our, our world is big on love. Have you ever noticed? Have you noticed that? Songs are sung about it. Uh, books are written about it. Pictures are painted de depicting it as best they can. The, the Beatles sang way back in the day, all you need is love. That's all we need. All you need is love. We talk about falling in love. You can fall in love. Mind in your own business. Just fall in it. Fall in love. <laughs> Signs in our city say love is love. The meaning of life is love. Do you know it's possible to make love? You can make it. How do you make how do you make love? Don't answer. Don't answer. We've got, we've got kids here. We say that love is unconditional, right? No condition. My love is unconditional. But then we talk about falling out of love. We fall in it. We fall out of it. It's conditional. But if, if love is unconditional, then how do we fall out of it? I love cheeseburgers. 
I love my wife. Most of the time I love my wife more than cheeseburgers. <laughs> but sometimes a cheeseburger can go a long way, if you know what I mean. My point in this is all, it's all very confusing. Right? What is love, man? Is love a kiss while the sun is setting? Is it a mom holding a newborn? Is that love? Is, is love a spouse sitting bedside in a hospital room? Is, a love, is love a friend helping a friend to move? Is that love? Can be. All of those can be displays of love. My point is that the love of God displayed at Easter conquers all others. In 1 John 3, you can read this again behind me, John writes, by this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. No more guessing. No more guessing. No more redefining, no more wondering. We know, we have a definition of love, but Midtown, more than that, we have a display of love. By this we know love. Here's the definition. He laid down his life for us, but that's also the display of love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, Jesus said in John 15, 13, and yet the wondrous and all-conquering display of Jesus' love, and we were reminded already in our reading earlier, is that Jesus, God in flesh, creator God, all things created by Jesus, creator God, God in flesh, laid down his life for us, his creation, but not while we were his friends, but while we were his enemies, enemies of him and enemies of the cross. It, it was our sin that held him there. What a display of love. It conquers all others. It's, it's a love that cries out, Father, forgive them while on the cross. It's a love that while nailed to the cross, took care of his mother. It's a love that touches a, a leper's face. It's a love that stays up all night to pray. It's, it's a love that thirsts so we can drink. It's a love that washed Judas' Judas's feet. It's a love that befriends the friendless. It's, it's a love forsaken so we won't be. It's a, it's a love willing to be impoverished so that we would gain the heavenlies. It's a love where the only son was willing to be abandoned by his father so we could become children of God. What a display of love. But this display of love is not to be reserved for God alone, for this same love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's the first fruit of the Spirit in us. Jesus said that the world will know we are his disciples by our love. More important, more powerful than all those books we read on defending our faith is the ap apologetic of love. John writes that if we say we love God but hate our brother, the love of God is not in us and that we're liars. 
Faith is vital to the Christian faith, but Paul writes in Galatians 5, 6 that faith must work itself through love. The church of Ephesus had faith. But they had no love, and Jesus said, I'm going to pull you out unless you repent and return to the love that you had at first. Paul writes that if we give everything away, even die a martyr's death, but have not love, we are nothing. You know, during COVID, and we're still in the midst of it, um, but during COVID, I've heard a lot of passion expressed by by people in the church about the importance of gathering together. We have a verse, right? We all know that verse now after the last couple of years, Hebrews 10, 25, let's not neglect gathering together as is the habit of some. And, And yet, interesting about that verse is that there's more to it and includes the call to encourage one another. And there are many others that call us to love one another. I, I, I sometimes wish we had the same passion for loving and encouraging as we seemingly do for gathering. Second, how the love of God conquers all others is that it conquers all in what it achieves. Uh, going back to John, In 1 John 4.10 this time, he writes, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, here's our thousand dollar word for the day, the propitiation of our sins or for our sins. If, If the love of God is displayed in its most glorious form in Jesus on the cross, then we must understand what that love realized. For it wasn't just a display of love, it was an achievement of love. What, What that love achieved was our sin forgiven and God's wrath removed. Propitiation. Given something, something taken away. Both happened. Both achieved by Jesus' death on the cross. Grace given, judgment taken away, a twofold act. That's what it achieved. What we couldn't do, sinful and and weakened by the flesh as we are, he did for us. Peter writes, and we'll look at this in our study of 1 Peter in a beginning next week. Peter wrote that love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus' love displayed on the cross doesn't cover a multitude of sins. It covers all of them. It can cover yours if you come to him. But you must come. And if you haven't come to Jesus, I invite you to come to him and receive what he gives and have him take away what must be taken away. Jesus was asked one time in his ministry, Jesus, what's the most important commandment of all the commandments written in the scriptures? His his answer was, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus loved God perfectly, heart, soul, mind, and strength, perfectly. And he loved us, his neighbors, to the end. And in that, he fulfilled the law perfectly, and in him we do too. That's what it achieved, which leads last to one other highlight about what the all-conquering love of God displays. It, It conquers all in its power. 
Uh, over the years, I've done more than a few weddings. Um, and in some of those weddings, when we get to the vow portion of the wedding, I ask, do you promise to love and honor and cherish until death do you part? And they're all googly-eyed looking at each other, right? So just passionately in love, and they repeat, if they're smart, I do, I do. God never does. Because death doesn't part us or separate us from his love. It conquers all that stands in its way, including the power of death. Neither life nor death will separate us from his love. There is faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, for his love is eternal, and his love is immeasurable. And there won't be a day in heaven that satisfies it or we come to an end of it. Think about that. As my, as my boy John Piper says, <laughs> one, one of God's goals of heaven is to pour out his grace and love on us, and it's going to take forever. The great Puritan Jonathan Edwards wrote that God's love is an ocean without shores or bottom. It's a big ocean midtown. And his love never ceases because of, of the resurrection. It's a love that never runs out because God has no beginning and no end. It's that powerful. It's that big. It's, it's a love indescribable. I can't describe it. It's a love that we can have for him even though now we don't see him. It's a supernatural love that's been poured out into our hearts. It's a love beyond, beyond comprehension that takes strength to understand. It's a perfect love that casts out all fear. And therefore, it's a love that enables us to not fear what our neighbor thinks, or our boss, or a sibling, or what our body does, or what life brings. For God loves us with that kind of love. Our, fr our friends may not even drive us to the airport, right? <laughs> our neighbor may not invite us to the backyard barbecue. Our bodies may let us down. But God in love went to the grave for us. But he didn't stay there. For his love conquers all. And, and that, that's what makes Friday so good. Let me pray. Father, on this day set aside to specifically remember the giving of your son, we bless you and thank you. We thank you for the cross and its display of love and for what it achieved and what it conquered. We thank you for loving the world by giving us your only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, you said your mission is, in coming was to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. And and you did, and we thank you and, and bless you. 
You carried a cross meant for us and loved us to the end. You lived perfectly and died horribly for our sins so that we could become the righteousness of God. It it was our sin that held you there. Again, we bless you and thank you because For because of the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross, despising the shame, and are now seated at the right hand of of the throne of God, interceding for us. And Holy Spirit, thank you for convicting us of our sin and making much of Jesus and enabling us to cry out, Jesus is Lord and mean it. And, And thank you for pouring into our hearts the love of God. We confess, though, that we don't always display this love in in the way we have personally enjoyed. Father, forgive us. And, And Holy Spirit, empower us and enable us to love in this way so that the world will know that we are disciples of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you shine into more dark places this weekend. that that you open the eyes of those who have been blinded by the God of this age so that they will see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Do that here, do that in this city, and do that around the world. In Jesus, your beautiful name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Midtown, please go to mtownchurch.ca.